0: it's good to see you guys. I enjoyed being out last week. Appreciate Dave uh, taking care of us and walking us through the scriptures. But I am always glad to be back uh, with our family of faith. Uh, Hey, before we uh, jump in for today, I want to let you know something you might have seen as you were coming in, uh, out in the commons. You already heard about next week being Promotion Sunday. So we got all of our kids moving up a grade, maybe, uh, certainly into a new class, but they might be moving into a whole new wing. Uh, and, And look, this is something we take very seriously is the privilege we get to train up our kids to know Jesus Christ. We, as a family of faith, get to be that place to say every single Sunday when you come on our campus, man, whether you're in our preschool, you're with our kids, you're with our students, uh, and even in our adults, man, you are going to be growing in your faith by being taught, by being loved, by being poured into by other brothers and sisters. And every single week that happens uh, with a lot of you guys. Uh, Obviously, you're here right now, but we've got a bunch of other of our brothers and sisters who are doing that in the preschool wing, up on the kids' floor, across the street, over with our students. But every year, we. We need new volunteers to come and take care of the growing number of kids uh, and students that we have on our campus. And so today really is signing day. Uh, we have a, a chance for you to sign up and say, hey, I want to be a part of this incredible privilege of pouring into all these kids. You say, Adam, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm really ready for that. Well, join the club. None of us is ready for that, right? Uh, you never get ready. We just, we get, we get thrown in, right? But we will train you. We will help you. We will equip you. You're going to get to work with other folks right alongside you. And we really do need your help. Whether you can work just once a month, whether you could work uh, twice a month, uh, maybe even just like a one-time event, like, hey, if you've got a special event, I'd love just to kind of get my feet wet and and try that out to see what it might be like. We have got something for everybody, uh, and we really do need your help. So uh, today, after the service, as you're leaving, if you head over to this table over the the far left corner of the Commons, uh, you'll find folks there where you can sign up and say, hey, I'd like some more information uh, about one of those areas, whether it be preschool, you our kids or our students, uh, and it can be short-term, long-term, one-time, man, go sign up and just say, hey, I'd like some more information about what's going on. Check that box. You can see already on the back of here, you can pick one of these up. Uh, you've got some of the different options there are. Uh, and just to make it easier for you, if you sign up today, just to get some information, we will give you a free t-shirt. We really will, all right? Look, uh, and it's a good one. I like the new shirt, right? Uh, so this is available for you today, right over there. We will hand it to you if you go ahead and sign up and say, hey, I wanna be a part of what the Lord is doing helping our kids on campus. Sound good to you? The rest of you, does that sound good to you? Go pick up a t-shirt, it'll be great. All right, listen. Uh, So there's that. All right, so uh, now grab your Bibles if you will. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14 uh, is where we're going to be. And actually in a lot of places, Proverbs 14.23 is where we'll be. Get to the middle of your Bible, you'll find Psalms. One book over, you find Proverbs. Hopefully it is dog-eared at this point because you've been reading along with us in our reading plan. We are actually finishing up our series on Proverbs this week. Uh, now, you probably can already tell that does not mean we have covered all that there is in Proverbs. There are a ton of different topics we're not going to have a chance uh, to really talk about. Uh, Topics uh, like like pride or or gluttony or dealing with uh, people in authority over you or or talking to to kings or uh, the the use and abuse of alcohol or or taking care of the poor or or fighting injustice or or interpersonal relationships in your home or with your, your family. There's so many different topics that Proverbs covers. But now you know how to go and get all that wisdom. As we've studied this book and figured out what this book is and how we are to deal with it, man, I hope now you'll go back and read it again. We're going to finish up our reading plan this week. If you're reading along with this, we'll finish it up this week. And when you're done, I encourage you, start it all over again. Read a proverb a day. You'll find new proverbs that jump out every single time that you read it. And the Lord can continue to build you in wisdom. Uh, and I'm excited that you're going to get to continue to do that. But uh, this week, as we wrap up, I want to talk about two topics that are intertwined. And those are the topics of work and laziness. Work and laziness. Uh, these are two things that you're going to find all throughout the book of Proverbs. It's one of the most often uh, referenced topics uh, in all of the book. Uh, but we're going to talk about work and laziness. And what does Proverbs have to teach us about wisdom in these two areas? Before that, we even jump into Proverbs 14, 23, and hopefully you're already almost there or finding that there in your scripture. We need to talk about work itself. What does the Bible say when it comes to our work? Because I think for many of us, we, we end up dreading work. Uh, we always find ways of talking about we have, we're, we're overworked, we're working too much. Work is, is I got to stay at work, I got to do this work, I got to travel for work. And we, and we get this idea that, that work in and of itself is some form of evil, But that's actually not how the Bible talks about work at all. Whenever you read scriptural accounts, whenever it's talking about work, almost universally, it describes it as a good. This is something that God actually gives to us. It is a gift to us to work. Now, look, when we say work, that can mean a lot of different things, right? If you are a student, that is your job, right? It's your job, kids, to grow up. You might be going to a new school. That's your work, is to learn, is to grow, is to study, to get better at what you do so you can become the men and women God wants you to be. You might be in college. After that, you might go have a job that earns a paycheck. You might have a particular kind of work, but it doesn't always involve a paycheck, You may be crafting your home. You may be raising children. You may be retiring uh, in your retirement. You may be uh, volunteering in your retirement. You may be taking care of aging parents. There's so many different things that the Lord gives us to do. Many of them come with a paycheck. Some of them do not, but all of these are work. It's an opportunity for us to to build, to create, to to develop all of the things that God has given us, whether it be talents within us or the resources at our disposal. God gives us this work. And you see that through all of Scripture. Uh, Right there at the beginning, when God creates, we find God working. The very first thing you see in Scripture is the Lord himself working. So, Adam, how do you know that that's work? Well, on the seventh day, he rested from his labor his work right he says I'm going to take a a day of rest because this work was good every day he said this was good this thing that I've done when he creates Adam and Eve he puts them in the garden and he doesn't just say hey frolic right And, and just hang out he says no I need you to work I want you to tend this garden remember there's no sin yet this is perfection And he says, no, I want you to work, tend to this garden, man, enjoy it, but work it, man, develop it, make it great. When Jesus comes, Jesus, the son of God, he does not come as a philosopher who sits like Confucius somewhere and just thinks great thoughts. He's the son of a carpenter. He works with his hands. He does work before he becomes the Messiah or before he reveals himself as the Messiah and and gathers his disciples. He works with his hands. And then I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but when you and I go to heaven, when we get to the new heaven and the new earth, there's still going to be work. Did you know that? There is, right? Heaven is not like just like a new retirement home. It's not, right? You're not just going to be up there like, you know, sitting around on a harp with a, you know, on a cloud with a harp, just kind of like hanging out. There's going to be work. There's going to be things to do, right? Because that's the way it was from the beginning. This is what God himself does. He says, I'm inviting you into this work. This is totally different from all other religious accounts. The Bible is unique in this. When you look at other uh, nationalities, when you look at uh, other ancient cultures and what they say about work, it's so different. In Mesopotamian culture, they have the Enuma Elish. That's not Billy Eilish, it's the Enuma Elish. But in the Enuma Elish, uh, it's their creation account. Uh, and you have the gods kind of making everything, but they need somebody to work it. And so they literally create humanity just to be their labor force. Work is a punishment. It's, it's basically we're just the servants of all of these gods. And it's literally a punishment for us. In Roman culture, when Pandora's box get opened, gets open, you get evil, you get strife, you get death and work comes out of the box, right? In all of these other cultures, they see work as, a, as toil. They see work as a punishment. They see, see work as, as evil in some way, but that's not how the Bible speaks of work. He says, no, work inherently is good. You might say, well, then Adam, then how come work is so hard? Because Adam, sometimes it's not good. It's not fun. And well, listen, work is hard, and that is due to sin. Before you get done with the creation account, Adam and Eve reject that God-given work. They reject God's ways and say, we want to do things our ways. And they get kicked out of the garden and they are cursed. The Bible says now the ground, instead of giving you bountiful crops, is also going to produce thorns. You're going to eat it by the sweat of your brow. It's going to be a lot harder than it would have been. It's still going to produce for you, but it's going to be a lot harder. That's because of the curse of sin on all of us. But that's not because work is evil. Work, by its very designed nature, is good. And so Proverbs talks a lot about work and therefore laziness and saying, listen, we should work and work hard and we should avoid laziness. And so let's look at these two things in terms. Uh, What does the book of Proverbs tell us about work? Well, it tells us a few different things. First off, it says this, that work pays off. Work pays off. Look at chapter 14, verse 23. You ought to be right there in your scriptures. Look what it says. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. In all work, all toil, there is profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. Let me show you another one. Here's 10.4 up on the screen. It says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. right, so what is the book of Proverbs telling us? It's saying something very simple. Work pays off, like literally, like it will pay you. There are dividends to hard work. When we put our hands to hard work, it produces dividends in our life, so much so that it can make you rich. Like it enriches you. When you work hard, there is a paycheck. There's a payoff. There are crops in harvest when you have plowed and sown earlier on in the year. When you work, there is a payoff to that. And you actually see this link all throughout the book of Proverbs. It says, listen, if you work hard, there will be riches. If you work hard, God is going to bless you. If you work hard, there are going to be, there's going to be this payoff for you as if whenever you work, there's always going to be an enriching that takes place. And look, that is generally true. It really is. Now, we need to be very careful here. Hopefully by this point in the series, you know how far to take that and that we can't take that too far. You cannot take that idea that hard works will enrich you and you can't take it too far. This is wisdom. This is generally true. But remember what we learned week 1 in this series, the proverbs are not promises. They are not absolute promises from God. They are general truths. You see, if you look at this book of the proverbs and you take it as promises, you're going to make some really false conclusions. If hard work always leads to enriching yourself, the diligent hand is going to enrich you, then what does that mean if those are promises? It means that all the richest people in the world are the most hardworking and the most righteous. That the richest people in the world are the most hardworking and the most righteous. Conversely, if you are poor, it's because you're lazy and wicked. If you are poor, you are lazy and wicked. That's what it means. Now, does that sound true to you? No. I mean, that's not generally true. Uh, I mean, look, some, I mean, it's true in the general sense, but, but, but not every rich person didn't work hard to get everything that they have. And not every rich person is the most righteous person you've ever met. In the same way, not all poor people are lazy, Sometimes people do work hard and it doesn't lead to an enriching in this life. It doesn't actually lead to this enrichment. And so these are not absolute truths. These are general truths. I mean, flip it. You can't go the opposite direction either. He said, Adam, you're exactly right. That's it. I mean, I knew that was the case. You know what rich people are? Rich people are evil. That's what they are. If you're rich, you're evil. Man, they didn't earn that money. They inherited it, man. They got that, man. They had a leg up, man. They are evil. In fact, take all their money. Give it to somebody else, man. They don't deserve a penny. Do you know who's righteous? The poor. I mean, poor people, you know the reason they're poor? It's because the system is on their back. And if the system wasn't on their back, man, they would be fine because all the poor are righteous. If they could just get the system off their back. Does that sound true either? Well, no, no, that doesn't sound true either. Do you see what wisdom is teaching you? It's like, look, this is more complex than that. There's going to be some exceptions. There's going to be some uh, some things on either side of this. Don't take this as absolutely true in every situation. But what we're left with is wisdom and don't negate it. In general, hard work leads to a payoff. When you're looking at life and you want to see blessing in your life and you got two choices, hard work or laziness, choose hard work. Because nine times out of 10, that's going to be a blessing for you. In the vast majority of cases, this is going to help you. It is going to enrich you. It is going to bless your life. And if you choose laziness nine times out of 10, this is going to wreck you. This is going to destroy you. You're going to lose everything because it is generally true that hard work leads to a payoff. It's important. Look, if you're just running around trying to do a get-rich-quick scheme, if you're, if you're saying, hey, I can cut corners or I can, I can steal or be a little unethical and I can just make this money and not actually have to do hard work, this is always going to fail you. Look at this in Proverbs 13, uh, I believe it is, verse 11. It says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Hard work over time pays off. You try to get rich quick, this is not going to work for you. P.S. little sidebar, this is why I'm theologically opposed to a lottery. I am actually happy that Alabama is one of the few states in America that does not have a lottery. Why? Because a lottery is a tax on poor people. That's all it is. What is happening in a lottery? You are dangling in front of people a false hope that they could have financial security. Hey, listen, Adam, if you just buy this lottery ticket, you could win a billion dollars. you seen the Powerball lately. A billion dollars. And somebody's got to win. It won't be you. The odds are terrible. I mean, like beyond Terrible. You wouldn't play those odds for anything. You're going to no, I'm going to play in the lottery. And by and large, in every single state, the people who are at the lowest end of the economic strata are people who are buying lottery tickets. People who make $10,000 and less a year spend upwards of 6% of their income on lottery tickets. That ain't happened for people making 100K, which means all this money that's supposedly going to education or roads or whatever is being born on the backs of the people who can't afford to lose it. I'll take that. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> do you see do you see what's happening? Do you know what a lottery is? It's incentivizing foolishness. A lottery incentivizes foolishness. That doesn't help the people buying lottery tickets and it does not help our society. Do you know what we should be doing as a society? Incentivizing hard work. Because hard work pays off. Because hard work over time leads to a blessing. And so Proverbs is telling us, hey, listen, in our lives, we ought to be looking for places where we can have hard work. Here's the second thing. Work brings honor. Work brings honor. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 29. Look what it says. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. When we get better at our profession, when you get better at your job, you ultimately get honored for that. When you get better at your job, most everybody typically sees that, and you get honored for that. When you work hard to get better at whatever it is you do, ultimately, you get honored for that. That's not going to happen in obscurity. People are going to say, hey, man, that is great. And this almost always happens. You're, you're going to get a raise. You're going to get an accolade. You're going to get uh, an award. You're gonna be, people are going to see it and say, hey, man, you are just really doing that better than other people. That is amazing. That is amazing. He said, well, Adam, that doesn't always happen. You're right, it's Proverbs, it's wisdom, it doesn't always happen. But please understand this, even if you don't see that recognition in this life, there is a God who sees everything that you do. And even if the people of this life don't see it, there's a God who does. Look at this passage in Colossians, New Testament, Paul's talking, and he says, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He's giving this advice to servants, to slaves, some of whom who can't change their condition. And he says, hey, listen, even if you don't see that accolade in this life, there is a father in heaven who sees your work and you will be rewarded. Hard work brings honor. Here's the third thing. Work leads to generosity. Work leads to generosity. Here's Proverbs 11 uh, and 21. Look at this first one. It says, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, but one who waters will himself be watered. Interesting. One gives and then they get all the richer. All right, go to the next one. Uh, This is Proverbs 21, uh, verses 25 and 26. The desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Do you know what happens when you get blessed with riches? You have the opportunity to be more generous. When you get blessed with riches, you have even more opportunity to give. Now, that does not mean that poor people cannot be generous. I mean, look at the widow's mite. I mean, you can be incredibly generous regardless of the amount of money in your bank account. But when you work hard and that leads to incredible blessings, you have such an opportunity to give, to bless. Which means God says, hey, listen, I see that. man. I want to give you even more. Why? So you can continue to be a blessing to other people. When you work hard, it gives you the opportunity to be even more generous. But here's the fourth thing. Uh, Work is about more than money. Work is about more than money. Look at Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Here's the next one. Proverbs 23, do we have that one? Um, Maybe... It's coming. All right. Proverbs twenty-three verses four. And 5. All right, I'm going to just turn there. Um, here we go. Proverbs twenty-three verses four to five. Uh, it says this. Uh, it says, "Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist when your eyes light on it. It is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle towards heaven." Let me read verse four again. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Proverbs just said, "Don't work for money." You might be very frustrated at this point. He said, you just spent the last few minutes saying that if I worked hard, I get money. Wait a minute. Well, how come now he's saying don't work to get money? I am confused. Listen, this is a case study in Proverbs. No one proverb tells you everything. No one proverb tells you all you need to know. The wisdom stacks. And so you're learning things about hard work and what it does, but now we're getting a caveat. Okay, yes, hard work leads to blessing, but listen, don't put all your hope in that money. Don't put all your hope in that payoff. Do you know why? Because in this broken world, emergencies happen. Economic downturns happen. You might get a a, a diagnosis that's going to stop your ability to produce, which stops your ability to earn. That changes things in the future. It happens all the time. And if you've got all your hope set on this payoff, this money, that hope is going to fail you. Blessings are great. Riches are great. it's, It's a blessing to have. But, man, your hope cannot be here. Our hard work must be for the Lord. He is the one who provides for us. And yes, sometimes he provides with blessings and riches, but our hope is in the Lord. Don't put it in just the riches that we gain from this. And so do you see what, the, what Proverbs is telling us about work, about how valuable, important our hard work is, regardless of whatever work you're involved in, whatever God has given you to do in this stage of your life, God says we should work hard. And look, this is not just Old Testament. Jesus also helps us understand this. I wanna, uh, I wanna show you the end of a parable uh, in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talons. Some of you might be familiar with this parable. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but here's the parable in a nutshell. Uh, Jesus says, uh, there's a landowner uh, and he's going away on a long journey. So he grabs three of his servants and says, hey, I'm going away. I'm gonna give you some money. Put it to good use. He gives one five talents, one two talents, and one just one talent. A talent, by the way, is a unit of, uh, of money, right? It's actually a large sum of money, right? So one guy gets a really large sum, five talents, another one two, another one one, each according to their ability. Guy leaves. He comes back a long time later, and look what happens. He brings these three guys forward, verse 20. And he who received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made you five talents more. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. So you knew that I reap where I had not sown and I gather where I scattered no seed. Well, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have at least received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Now look, Jesus is the master who's going to leave and then come back And we're all going to have to give an account of what we've done. But notice here a few things. We're going to look at this passage in depth in a few weeks. Uh, But just a couple things for today. First off, notice that the master gives them an opportunity to work and not an opportunity just to spend. Like he gives them money, but it's not just a blessing. He's like, here's money. He says, no, I'm expecting you to use it. Like like invest it. Like, Like work with this. This is an opportunity this is not just something to be spent on your own uh, passions or, or desires. This is an opportunity to serve. And so even though they get five and two talents, man, they double what was given to them. Here's the second thing. Their reward is more work. Did you notice that? They get two things. They actually get to keep what they earned, including the initial investment. That's amazing. But then he says, I will set you over much. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Part of the reward Is more work, more responsibility, right? Why? Because work itself can be a blessing. But here's the third thing and the most important thing. Let's go back to verse 26 and notice what it says here about this third servant. If you look at verse 26, it says, You wicked and slothful servant. Did you catch that? You wicked and slothful servant. When, When it comes to this last servant, he says, you're wicked. Now, that's not how the servant portrayed it. He said, I was afraid. I didn't want to lose it. So I just buried it. I didn't lose a penny. You didn't lose anything. I'm giving you back exactly what you gave me. You didn't lose a penny. And that is not how the master sees it. The master sees right through his excuse. He says, you weren't just scared. You were lazy. You were slothful. You were a sluggard. And then here's the thing you need to note. Laziness is akin to wickedness laziness is akin to wickedness we might think laziness sometimes is cute trite trivial well the bible says that laziness is akin to wickedness so you and i must be on our guard against laziness in our hearts remember we're all fools in some way shape or form All of us wrestle with foolishness. We're trying to become wiser men and women. And so we must be on our guard against laziness because it can happen in a lot of different forms. And so very quickly, I want to run through uh, seven different ways that laziness can afflict us. Seven different things uh, that really typify someone who is a sluggard, someone who is lazy, so that we can be on our guard against it. First off, the lazy refuse to work. Look at Proverbs 21, verses 25 and 26. And we're going to look at that one again. They refuse to work. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Now, this is interesting. It says the desire of the sluggard kills him. That is serious. Laziness can kill you. How? Listen, if you don't work, you got no food. You don't have any work. You can't take care of yourself. This literally can kill you. But how does his desire kill him? Well, because he doesn't want to work. I'd rather do other things. He says, I I desire, but I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. But the thing he doesn't want to do is work. This is why following your heart is such terrible advice. Because that fails to take into account that our hearts are sometimes lazy. And what I want is to do whatever. What I don't want to do is work. But if you do not work, you will not eat. And this can destroy you. And so one of the things that typifies the lazy, the lazy refuse to work. Here's the second thing. The lazy are afraid to get their hands dirty. Lazy folks are afraid to get their hands dirty. Here's Proverbs 14 verse 4. Uh, I love this one. It says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Did y'all catch this when you read it? I didn't get it at first. This is one you got to really think about. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. What's he mean there? He says, well, look, if your goal in life is to have a clean stable, don't put an animal in it because that animal is going to make that thing dirty. You might say, I just cleaned up that stable. It is spick and span. It is clean. Don't put that ox in there. You're going to dirty up the stable. Well, guess what? The goal is not to have a stable. The goal is to have food on your table. And if you don't have an ox, you ain't got no food. If you don't have an ox, you will have no crops. You got a really clean stable, but you don't have any food. You have misplaced your priorities. This is people who say, man, I got everything exactly how I want it. Don't touch it. I got everything exactly how I want it. Don't touch it. Don't change it. If you're a person who just does not like change of any kind, I don't want to change anything, I don't want to fix anything. No, I I like everything exactly the way it is. Don't change a thing. I don't like change. I don't want to change anything. Well, guess what? Over time, that thing that you are holding on to will decay and will break. And then you won't have anything because you're not investing, because you're not growing, you're not getting better, you're not, you're not producing anything. Hey, you can't just hang on to what you got. you got to continue to grow. This is why churches, when they grab on and say, don't change anything, I want it just like this forever. That is a dead church, dead church walking. If you got a church who refuses to change, you gotta grow, you got to continue to move forward. Why? You're gonna have a clean manger, but you don't have abundant crops. Here's the third thing: the lazy follow worthless pursuits. The lazy follow worthless pursuits. Here's Proverbs 28:19. Look what it says here: whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. I like that. That's fun. Whoever works his land, you get plenty of bread. If you follow worthless pursuits, you got plenty of poverty. That's what you get. You need to look at your life and say, hey, man, this thing I am pouring all this time into, is it actually producing anything? Like, what is it actually producing in your life? Is this a worthwhile pursuit or not? Because sometimes you can pour a ton of time and money and effort and energy into something, and it's worthless. Some of you guys uh, may know this about me, but I used to play a lot of video games. Um, I honestly don't think that should be a shock anymore. I am a child of the '80s, right? Uh, I grew up with an Atari, which is going to be interesting when my generation gets to the old folks' home, because you know there's not going to be shuffleboard. It's just going to be a lot of pong. I don't know, right? It's going to be like video video games, right? That's what we grew up with. We're very comfortable with that. Uh, but I used to play a lot of video games. They're fun. They really are. They've come a long way. Uh, but the thing is, now with video games, video games are not just something you sit and you go to the arcade and you play them for a few minutes. Oh no, you can play them for like days. You can stay up all night. They become a lifestyle. It's almost like a second job. You can pour 10, 20 hours a week in this, whether it's Call of Duty or Destiny or Minecraft or or whatever else it is. You can pour all this time and effort into these games. You can throw your entire life away. And you know what you get for all of that? Nothing. Nothing. You are pushing pixels around. That's it. Look, man, video games as an entertainment, that's great. You want to enjoy that for a few hours? Great. But when you're starting to pour an inordinate amount of your time into this, this is a worthless pursuit. Now, look, I know some of y'all are being judgy right now that I like video games, but video games are not the only worthless pursuit they have out there, right? Because some of you are pouring the exact same amount of time into golf. Let's be honest, okay? Because you can pour an inordinate amount of time. Well, it only takes six hours to play a game of golf. i And mean, listen... You get out here, if you, you want to play a game of golf, go play a game of golf. But listen, some of you are pouring 10, 20, 30 hours a week into golf, and not just time, but money. Because this is an expensive pastime to have. And you're going to pour all this time and all this money to still be just as bad at golf. Because <laughs> it's a very hard game. It is an incredibly hard game. You're going to be marginally better at putting a ball in a hole, all right? I've achieved something. You have not. Look, if you've got, a, if you've got a, an entertainment, that is great. But look, it's a game at the end of the day. Now, look, still don't be judgy because if you're doom scrolling on your phone or you're looking at social media or Instagram for 17 hours a week, this is a part-time job that pays you nothing worthless pursuits. I mean, you got to look at our time. How are we spending it? Is it actually producing a profit? Is it worthwhile? Is it building something eternal? Are we just wasting our time? The lazy, instead of just entertaining themselves, man, they get absorbed by these things. Here's the next one. The lazy are ruled by senseless fears. They're ruled by senseless fears. Here's 26, uh, 13. It says, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. Did y'all catch this one? This actually shows up in two different places. There's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. Now, the writer of Proverbs saves all of his most sarcastic lines for the sluggard, right? He is the most sarcastic when it comes to the sluggard. This first mention of a lion is actually a lion cub. Uh, The second line is like a full-grown lion. The first one's a lion cub. He says, there's a lion cub out there. I can't go work today. There's a lion cub out there. I can't go work today. Now, look. There were lions back in ancient Israel during this time. Okay, yes, they were there, but they're not everywhere, right? It's not like you're seeing a lion every day when you're going to work, all right? So they're out there, but if you're, for you to say, man, I cannot go to work. I can't get out in that field. I could get killed by a lion. I can't go work outside. I could get killed by a lion. Okay, look, that is technically true. In the same way that you can technically get eaten by a shark when you go to the beach next week. You can technically get struck by lightning when you walk outside. You can technically, yeah, all these things happen. Yes, technically that is true. But the chances are so remote as to be laughable. You can't let a senseless fear rule you. And look, what Jesus would say is like, look, I'm seeing right through that fear. You're just lazy. You don't want to work. You don't want to overcome something. You don't want to get out and do this thing. Hey, listen, you say, Adam, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not afraid of sharks or lightning or lions. But you might say this, man, I, 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 can't, I can't apply for that job. What if I don't get it? I, I, can't, I can't put myself out there. What if I can't compete? I, I can't go out in there and do that thing. What if I fail? What if you failed? So what? It probably ain't going to kill you. You'll probably get better at what you're doing. And sometimes we let senseless fears keep us back and we say, you know what? I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. I'm gonna keep my head down. I'm just gonna keep doing the exact same thing I've always been doing and I'm not gonna grow. I'm not gonna get better. I'm not gonna do anything. Okay, that's a sluggard. You're lazy. It's foolish. Here's the next one. The lazy love to sleep. They love to sleep. Proverbs 20, verse 13. Uh, Love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll have plenty of bread. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. All right, we don't need to sleep excessively. Look, you got a day off, go get some extra hours of sleep. But guess what? In general, you got to get up. You got to get up and do some work. I don't like getting up early. It doesn't matter. You got to get stuff done. And that might require you to get up earlier. Parents, we're going to get up, our kids up earlier. They've gotten used to sleeping late all summer. Kids, I'm so sorry. Got to get up this week you got a job to do. You are students. That's your job. You're going to have to get up. Adults, we got to get up earlier. Why? So that we can do our jobs. Listen, you can't let sleep rule you. Oh, I just want to sleep through this. Look, when folks are depressed, you may have noticed this. I've been depressed before. i I felt this before. When you're depressed, you just want to sleep all day long. You ever notice that? Why? I don't want to face it. I don't want to face the pain. I don't want to face anything. And so I don't want to be there. I I don't want to be there. But that's not making it go away. Sooner or later, you got to get out of bed. Sooner or later, you got to move along, right? Well, that's what sleep does sometimes. I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to, and we just, we say, oh, I just need to sleep in. Look, that can happen on Sunday mornings with church. You go, I don't want to go to church. I always sleep. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You all got up this morning. But for all you podcast people, <laughs> they got it. They got it. They just flipped to the next one. All right, so, all right. Uh, Two more quick ones. Uh, The lazy are wise in their own eyes. The lazy are wise in their own eyes. This is enigmatic. Uh, Proverbs 26, 16. Uh, Look what it says here. Uh, Can we go to, yeah. um, No, 26, 16. Do I have that one? Proverbs 26, 16. Um, uh, Maybe not. All right, let's go to Proverbs 26, 16 because this one's fun. I'm gonna turn there. Um, I I gave like 4,000 slides today. Um, I mean, there were a lot. There really were. Uh, Proverbs twenty six sixteen says this, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. When you talk to a lazy person, they will have all kinds of reasons why they're lazy. Well, I can't because, well, I got to do this because, well, I can't. They, they are, they know everything and they're still very poor. They still don't have a job. They still aren't growing in life. They still aren't getting up. They got all kinds of excuses. Listen, if folks keep coming to you and giving you opportunities and you just have excuse excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse of why you can't do that, it might be that you're wrestling with laziness. Because sometimes we got to step out, we got to do things, we got to move forward. When we talk, this is why why they're foolish, right? Because the, the why the uh, lazy folks are wise in their own eyes. And then here's the last one: uh, uh, folks who wrestle with laziness refuse to plan ahead. They refuse to plan ahead. Here's Proverbs chapter six, verses six through eight. So we do have that one. I saw that one before. All right, look what it says here: Go to the ant, O sluggard; consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Now, this is a fairly famous proverb, right? Consider the ant. You ever heard that? Consider the ant, right? It comes right here out of Proverbs. And what he's saying? He's saying, look, ants are not very smart. They're tiny little insects. They have very tiny brains. But even an ant understands in a little while, there ain't going to be no food. So I need to gather food now for the winter. I need to gather food now so I can survive the winter. When there is no more food, I need to work now for the future. Lazy folks do not look ahead. Lazy folks do not plan for the future. They are surprised when they get to retirement and they have nothing to live on. They're surprised as if you did not know you were going to get old. That's going to happen. You know that, right? To all of us. We're going to get old. We're going to need to retire. You're not going to be able to work in the same way you are now. Then you need to plan for that. This is why living in the moment is such terrible advice. I just want to live in the moment. I want to live in the moment. That is terrible advice. Do you know why? It assumes that there aren't going to be any more moments. That the future is not coming. But the future is coming whether you like it or not. Future you hates you. Future you is upset with you. Future you says, passed me. It was a jerk. Why didn't you work hard? Why didn't you put any money away? Man, why didn't you do this thing? Why didn't we prepare? Why didn't we get hard? Why didn't we get far? We should have known this was coming. Yes, we should have. Because the future is coming. You have to plan ahead. And look, that's not fun now. It's not easy to sow. It's not easy to plant. It's not easy to water. It's not easy to fertilize and take care of stuff. But if you don't do the hard work up front, you won't see a harvest. You won't see that. And so you got to plan ahead. Are you looking forward in life for for your your kid's college? Are you looking forward in life for your own retirement? Are you looking forward in life just for all the things you need to do to grow and become who God wants you to be? If I'm not looking ahead, that that means I am lazy. And so look, as we look at this, we need to find ways. Are, Are there any places where I find myself prone to laziness? Look, I'm not even just talking about your work. I'm talking about your relationships, are you lazy in your relationships? I don't want to do the work. I don't want to invest. I don't want to move forward. What about your spiritual life? Do we get lazy when it comes to our spiritual life? I, I don't want to work. It's just going to happen. Sooner or later, I'll, I'll get godly, surely, right? I mean, it will just happen on its own. No, we have to work? Is, Adam, is that, is that really true? Absolutely it is. Look to Jesus Christ and you will see the value of our continued work. Well, let's think about what Jesus is doing right now. Have you ever thought about that? What Jesus is doing at this moment, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he did not get pampered. Jesus worked. He fought every day of his life to lead a sinless life. He worked hard with his hands. He worked in relationships. He fought sin, death, and hell. And at the end of that, he died on the cross. And when Jesus dies on the cross, he then ascends from the grave. He ascends to the right hand of the father. And guess what? He sits down because that work is done. The work of salvation is over. You don't have to add anything to your salvation. We don't bring anything to our salvation. Jesus has done all of the work. This is why you and I can be confident in our salvation is because the work of salvation is finished in the person of Jesus Christ, amen. So what then does Jesus do? He saved the world. He has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. Jesus, you've saved everyone. What are you gonna do now? I'm going to Disneyland. Disneyland. We well, didn't do that. Like, what does he do? We well, say so he sits down at the right hand of the Father. So, is that all he's doing? Just sitting there? For 2,000 years, just sitting there? The Bible actually tells us what Jesus is doing right now. It says this right now, Jesus is praying for you. Did you know that? He intercedes on your behalf. Right now, Jesus is praying for you. He's working. Right there, from the right hand of the Father. He's working. Working. He actually said this right before he was crucified. Look at this in John chapter 12, or 14, verses 12 through 14. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But listen to what he says. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Through the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is still working. He is taking care of salvation. You are saved in Jesus Christ, but you need to still grow in him. The kingdom is still being built. There's still work to be done, and Jesus is still working. Do you know what this means? Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, the Lord is inviting us to join him in his work. He has given us not just a garden, he's given us salvation. And he's now saying, I want you to join me in my work. And so no matter who you are or what kind of work you have, all of us have the opportunity to join the Lord in his work, to do what he has given to us, to, to do it well, to work hard, to work diligently. But also whether you get a paycheck or not, I get to join the Lord in building his kingdom Because that work honors the Father and glorifies Him. It blesses and enriches us and that also blesses the entire world. What a privilege to be able to join the Lord in His work. So do this one. Bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Heads down, eyes closed. What's your work? That may be an easy answer for you. You say, Adam, here's my job. But it's often more than that. What, what is the work that God has given to you? It might be the work of parenting. That's work. Maybe the work of your marriage. Hey, that's work. It might be serving. Like here in this church, like we just talked about earlier, opportunities to, to serve and to help other kids grow to know Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, that's That's work. What is the work that God has given you to do? And are there any places where you just say, you know what, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. I'd rather just do what I want to do. I want to spend it all on myself. Look, this isn't a call to overwork. That's not good either. But I wonder if for some of us, the, the Lord is saying, hey, I want you to join me in my work. You're not earning your salvation. You're not earning your keep. You're not earning to, to make sure you stay saved. All of that's done. You are saved in Christ, but you get to work. You get to join him in all the specific unif- ways that you get to join him. I wonder if today the Lord might be saying, hey, come join me. Don't just say, I don't want to spend the time. I don't want to do it. I don't want to give. I don't want to serve. Where, where do we need to work? to avoid worthless pursuits, to, to, to avoid things that don't provide anything, to, to allow our fears to hold us in check. Instead, to say, God, I want to be a part of what you are doing. It's a gift, and at least a blessing. Where is the Lord asking you? To join him in working hard to honor him and to build his kingdom. And so, Heavenly Father, help us. God, you've actually already done that. You saved us. And then you give us this opportunity to to join you, uh, to cultivate, to develop, to help build your kingdom And, and all the different stages of our life and all the different unique ways you've blessed this congregation. We get an opportunity to join you. So Lord, would you speak? By your Holy Spirit, would you speak to each of us and show us the places we need to jump in? If we haven't already, if there's places where we've been lazy, we've been holding back or just... Indulging ourselves, Lord, can we instead see places where we can invest in your kingdom, in your will in ways that your kingdom might come and your will might be done on this earth as it is in heaven. God, I cannot wait to see the blessings that you bring when we repent of our laziness and instead choose to follow after you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand up with me if you will. We're gonna sing this song in response. The Lord is calling you. I'd love to pray with you here at the front. These altars are open for you to pray, but let's choose today to surrender all to him.